Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast. Living large in New York. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today. Dave Anderson. And today is part two, baby, product versus tech. This is the fight of the millennium. Yeah. 2021 is going down. Yeah, we're locked in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> it, has to go, it has to go down. It's uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. You said Diddy Kong is in the mix too. <laughs> My apologies. We have, again, a special guest, Rob O'Brien. How's it going, Rob? Good, man. How are you guys doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm trying to recover from last time, but I think I'm ready to punch myself in the face. We didn't hear no time. bell, right? We're still going. We're still going. <laughs> I got a piece of steak on my eye. <laughs> it's a cooling down. Yeah, it's Vaseline. <laughs> I got Vaseline going on. I think we dived into a lot of the faux pas that we would see in a product manager and some solutions. And I think, Dave, I'm sorry, man. It's The ball is now on Godzilla's court. We're going to have to talk about some dev faux pas. Are you ready to defend? That's the question I have. It's fine. Just hit me. Like, I'm in the square stance. Like, you know, I'm fully rooted. I'm ready to take a punch. Yeah. I think Rob will definitely, he has some, a ton of experience working with devs and might have seen a thing or two. And I would love, Rob, for you to be brutally honest. It'll only make us better as developers. First and foremost, I would say, I think I'm going to tap into the, you know, the faux pas from last time. And it had to do with, you know, you may have gotten a story from the product manager and the idea that the acceptance criteria aren't clear. I think that's something that normally happens to a dev, especially I think, and I'm looking back in my career, I think this may happen when like, you know, a dev doesn't want to ask questions because they don't want to feel like they don't know what they need to build. And I think that that can be, you know, Definitely a problem because when you finish a story and then you go and you ask for it, it's like, hey, no, I meant like these things. So it could be a combination of it being unclear or the developer didn't understand but didn't bother to ask. Do you have any experience with that, Rob? Have you seen that in the wild or any thoughts as any other reasoning as to why that would happen? Yeah, I think in certain organizations, it's kind of incentivized to stay in your lane. And it's your developer, you do development. And challenging what you hear, challenging the status quo is not accepted. So I think that. That is a faux pas of devs on a true product team working together as a team where it's like, I build this. After we build it, we look at it and the product person's like, wait, this doesn't really make any sense. And the dev goes, I thought the same thing while I was building it. This was a dumb story. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, are you, what? You thought that the whole time? Why didn't you tell me? Well, oh, this would have been yeah. a much better oh answer. Gosh. I'm like, well, what the heck? I thought we were on the same team. It's like, well, no, I just build it. You write it. It's like, come oh, on. Oh, I have heard. Like I have worst. heard that. I have heard that. I may have actually built a dumb story. As well. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I thought you meant this, bro. What do you mean? And it's like, no, you're wrong, developer. It's not cool. And I'm like, oh, man, okay, let's go to the chopping block. Let's figure this out. It goes back to what we talked about before. It's like, do you have a relationship with your customers and stakeholders to truly understand and care about what they want? And do you want to make them happy and build the best products? Some right. developers don't. And I think that's a big problem. They say, no, I'm just here to code. I clock in, I clock out, I'm out. I don't care. If it's built, it's good. No, right. no. Focus on the outcomes. They're not ready to fight for like a better outcome for the user or the stakeholders or whatever. Like they're like, okay, like this is what I was asked to do. And my scope of impact will be this one little block in my Jira swim lane. And I will drag it over to the other, <laughs> the other one. Yeah, that's especially like painful. Also, like if, if it is generally correct but you're just making assumptions and like 
I really do think there's a lot of value in like having a kickoff to a story. Like even if you talk about it in grooming, you've talked about it in planning maybe. Like so you're kicking off the sprint and kind of agreeing to the work, but like sometimes it's it's kind of nice to like huddle up with the people who are involved in that and like okay i'm actually starting it and like i'm just going to read the story and we're gonna make sure that we're starting in the right place and not like kind of going off into the lands of waste like those lean software development waste where you're just gonna like have all this wasted work where you've gone down a path that doesn't make any sense i think we mentioned it before many times i always like the concept of a desk check just like you know hey product manager, you got a second. I want you to see this thing. You let me know if it makes sense to kind of make sure rather than like, I feel like when you are doing the desk check, I feel like you're less exposed or like you feel less vulnerable than asking questions because you don't understand. It's like, okay, I built this thing and it looks like this. What do you think? Does this make sense to you? And like kind of get that out versus you finishing a story and you think that you're done with the story or the next steps of done is happening when in reality you're not. And I think the desk check kind of buffers that, like that breaks that apart. And that kind of like that also breaks down like the not that's not my job mentality where it's like, okay, like we're all like in this together product designer like you do a desk check and like you're like hey is this the right thing like are are we on the right path is it working as you expect it to work to head off any derailment that you might have further on down your you know kanban swim lanes and it's like cousin that's not my job problem like with the tester or something like that or like getting it deployed to production like those those are also like kind of your job is the team's job so you know kind of pulling more people in and just being more collaborative some of my favorite developers i've worked with and the the most the strongest developers i've worked with are not because i think they were necessarily the best technically or anything it's because they were really focused again on outcomes of the user where i've brought a story or a feature to the table and i've explained to them why we're building it and what value it will drive we're intending to drive for the customers or the users and they will challenge me that they have a better idea a simpler idea that will meet that need or that want by the customers in a better way And I can't tell you how many times I've been like, that is a much better idea than what I had. We are both anchoring on the same outcome. We want to make sure the users can log in faster. Wow, your answer is much better than my answer. Thank you for that. Right? You didn't just sit back and say, that's stupid. You said, no. Oh, that's what we're trying to do. I know these people. I've met with them. I have a better solution. That's like the greatest thing a product manager can hear is developers coming to the table with better solutions. Is there ever a time that like, if you give me a stupid story, I should just develop it? (laughs) (laughs) yes maybe maybe because there might be without getting in trouble because my wife is a lawyer there are some legal things and compliance things that you have to build that no one loves but you have to do to make people happy oh i gotta do those footnotes yeah right yeah you gotta do those footnotes (laughs) you gotta add those like massive texts of agreement and like really break up this easy user experience flow so yes i think there are certain situations but it doesn't mean you shouldn't push back means you should be very clear on. So if we don't build this, we'll get sued. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) then we'll we'll do it. I agree it sucks, but we'll do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I guess sometimes also like you might build the stupid thing on a path to building the right thing as well. Like I could accept that as long as we're not just like leaving it. And if we agree that it's stupid, then I'll be like, okay, 
Fine. Let's see where this goes. I have a question, Rob. So I think like we mentioned multiple times, I've heard the phrase, that's not my job, right? Like all I want to do is punch keys and, and make sure this feature works. In your experience, have you seen engineers who behave that way? Do you have any thoughts or anything you want to say to them? Like, cause I feel like sometimes <laughs> like, and this is probably like a philosophical question is like, you know, what if this person is an engineer, but like, isn't really excited about the product that they're building or they just want to code because that's just what they know how to do. Uh, do you have any like tips and tricks or things you may want to like, you know, for anyone who may be listening and is like, think that they just want to punch keys. It's bigger than that. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I definitely do. I think the big thing is defining done as a team, right? Your definition of done and having the team rally around getting to done. And oftentimes, if you, you know, if you're, you got a Jira board, you got a Trello board, whatever it is, you'll have your different swim lanes and you'll have your in progress, your code review, your QA, your sign off, right? Hopefully it's not that complicated and then done. And for a developer to think my job is to get it from in progress to code review and then it sits in QA and then I'm good. I moved it to QA. I'm out. <laughs> wrong, wrong. Yeah. You should not feel good unless things are getting to done, right? We got to be pulling to the right. So yes, what does that mean? It means sometimes you're going to be hunting people down. You're going to be setting up meetings. You're going to be calling people. You're going to be saying, design, can I get you on the phone? I need you to desk check this. Hey, who's the legal person? But the success is only done. If you can't define your success individually saying, I got 50 tickets into QA. Well, that's great. None of those got out and added any value to a customer. So really anchoring on what is the true impact and, and really thinking about that done column as success gets people away from saying, I threw it into QA. No one looked at it. That's their fault. No, that's kind of your fault. Right. It's all of our fault. You got to go hunt those people down. You got to go do the non-dev work because if we got nothing done at the end of a sprint, we all failed, right? Yeah. The yeah. user doesn't get any value. That's a concern at the end of the day. Dave, look at us. We did an episode on definition of done. Go us. <laughs> yes. Oh. We know a thing. We know a thing. We did. Yeah. But yes, no, I think the idea of knowing, you know, when you do establish, as mentioned before, the definition of done, like that be brings the team all together to like, you know, rally and ensure that the story gets from that swim lane all the way to that done column. However long that is, as you mentioned, don't make it too long because that's not fun. And this is possibly having to do with, you know, the definition of done as well. But one thing that I've seen, and this might be a faux pas on a dev aspect has to do with the design of something. You know, I've worked in different places or I've worked with different people within the same organization. And I could work with one designer and say, hey, you know, you have this design done this way. Can we change it up a little bit? It'll make it a lot faster. We just change it up a little bit and that's fine. And then there are other parts where it's like, no, you have to do it this way. And then, then this is how it's done. You go take that and do your work. Yeah. Whereas like, what is the level of fidelity you expect as input into creating the actual software? Like, is the designer building a pixel perfect world that's like just a, you know, a mock-up of the whole software? Is that how you're operating? Or like, are you okay with some kind of imperfections that you can then have a conversation with? Like, you know, the whole promise for a conversation coming back again. And closing the loop on, oh, like, do you really mean that this is going to be a six pixel margin? Like everywhere else, it's 10. Why did you do that? 
And it's like, oh, I just sneezed when I put that button down. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rob, do you have any thoughts on this? Sounds more like I don't know whether, as mentioned before, I don't know whether this is a dev faux pas or like an organization faux pas or the designer faux pas. Do you have any thoughts on like how the developer treats a design and what to do? I think it comes out on both sides, right? I think when designers are designing, their faux pas is they don't bring dev in early enough. And they try to get the answer and then get feedback from devs rather than co-creating an answer with development. So they waste a lot of time building out something that they really like just for a developer to be like, you just added three months of work. I have a different solution that'll take two days. That'll get us the same outcome. And they're like, crap, I just wasted two weeks designing this. Exactly. Bring developers in much earlier. Use them as team members. And on the flip side, you know, developers need to bring designers in as they're building things. Because designers, you might have agreed with a designer, great, we're going to do this padding, we're going to do this. And then you say, oh, in the mobile view, this actually looks pretty wonky. You don't go, whatever, I'll push it out. <laughs> if, if the designer, that's how they designed it, whatever. No, no, you bring them in and you say, hey, I'm in the middle of building this, come check out local, right? I didn't put this, this isn't out anywhere. Look at local. Is something wrong here? Can I recommend this? Right? Save time. Don't don't throw it over the fence to to designers. Bring them into your development process, just like we want them to bring you into their design process. Right? right. It's, it's the same concept we keep going back to. This yeah. is a team, and a team blurs the lines of responsibility because we're all focused on the end result, which is the outcome, the impact we want for our customers. Not I do the coding, I don't touch anything else. I do designing, I don't touch anything else. I write the stories, and make the priority, I don't touch anything else. That's not a team. That's a bunch yeah. of individuals, right? Yeah. I've done a lot of React development work, and there's this one page in the React docs called Thinking React. And the first section of that doc, I love sharing with designers and just being like, hey, like, look at this. Like, You don't have to look at the second section. You can look if you want to. It may be <laughs> more than you want to know about how React works after that point. But like, it could be kind of cool for you to know if you read past that point. But like, just the idea of like thinking about like how I as a developer, I'm going to use React to carve up this page into little pieces that hopefully I can reuse in the future. Although maybe not, but like, I think in order to make that kind of reusable mentality stick, you really do have to have a strong partnership and like a alliance with the designer. So if you're not pulling them into those conversations and like evolving it together and saying no to things that fall outside of like what's already there and kind of like easy and attainable, then you're just going to end up with like every single page having like its own beautiful and bespoke experience that takes you twice as long as you'd want to take. Yeah, so I mean, if you're a developer hearing this and this sounds like a faux pas you've been tripping up on, don't. Talk to your designer. I think it's important for collaboration to happen uh, in that regard. Buy them a beer. Become friends with them. They're important. (laughs) (laughs) I'll ask you, Rob. Yeah, you mentioned is beer the go-to, like, not drink of choice, but like building rapport of choice do you find beer better than coffee should i should i come over with like snacks when i talk to a designer like hey i brought some snacks do you want to chat like what are your rob, thoughts? rob strikes me more of a wine kind of guy don't know <laughs> tonight, why. tonight i am but i am uh, i'm a beer and a scotch person and a nice. red wine but yeah. No, I, yeah i think whatever it is it's just getting to know people outside of work it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter if it's ever a beer if it's ever coffee it's just being like 
like one big thing I always like to do with new teams who don't know each other is to literally be like, Hey, we're going to block off, tell stakeholders, tell executives, we're going to block off like an hour and a half for us to go grab lunch and just chill. And I don't want to talk about work. I want to talk about where you're from. What's your favorite food? What are you doing the weekends? I want us to get to know each other as people because those are the best teams. We want to work with people that you know, because the really important part of that too is when things go, things start going bad, you feel like you know each other. You're less likely to point the finger at a friend than you are to just this random person who happens to build, write my code yeah. or happens to do my designs. That's right. kind of like really been emphasized for me or something that I've taken for granted, like building a team in a pre-pandemic world where we all can be co-located and like rub elbows and breathe on each other oh. freely. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Just, uh, it's the good old days, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, just breathing around each other. That's uh, what I used to do. <laughs> <laughs> but now like this Fauci guy told me I can't do that. So uh, I don't do it. But like there were those intangible bonds that were formed. And like like you're saying, when there's stress or when you have to push back and you have to say no, then it doesn't feel like the end of the world because it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I know that you really like quesadillas and I like quesadillas too. And, you know, it's fine. We'll just go out for lunch. Yeah, I mean, I think building rapport is important for those who like to keep their heads down and punch keys, always trying to build some kind of relationship with your peers. I think it's very important for you to have that kind of context with uh, the individuals on your team. I think the next one I want to bring up has to do with, you know, someone who still likes to look down. Maybe, Maybe they built rapport with people, but at the end of the day, they feel like what they do best is coding. So much so that they avoid the meetings themselves. And it's like, I, I got work to do. I don't got time to be sitting in the meeting room with all y'all when I got things I need to handle. Do you have any thoughts about that faux pas that dev often like exert when they're in the workplace? Talking to me or Dave? Anyone. Do have any thoughts? <laughs> Dave, are you, Dave, are you that person? Rob, do you hate that person? I Tell clearly me. have thoughts on this. These are the faux pas <laughs> about you guys. So I'll let you defend yourself. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> Okay, so I think you know I I'm just gonna lean into Rob's punch here. I, I, <laughs> he can he can give it to me. Sometimes, <laughs> like I think that there are certain meetings that like everyone should be at. Uh, but I think it, if you have like a really strong bond with like the trifecta, like the team lead, the tech lead, the design, and the product, who can come together and you can trust to make decisions and like liaise with you know the broader world that can be very helpful so i don't have to you know go on the call with the vendor that you know is providing us tech support or what have you but if you're just i don't know like are you talking about a guy who just like i don't want to go to any meetings at all like not going to retro not going to what a mean person. I have seen that in the past, but I'm curious to hear, Rob, have you seen that kind of individual? It's like, I'm not going to iteration planning. Just tell me the stories. I'll do them. It's a little more nuanced than I think the topic. So the one that I think is the most impactful, I totally agree with you, Dave. There's there's a certain amount of trust of sending a representative, right? We don't need the whole team to come to every meeting, but as a product person, because I do I do really value my team, I, I try to, any meeting I go to, I try to have a tech representative, design representative. It doesn't need to be the same person and it doesn't need to be the whole team. But where I think this topic really is important to me is when we do these initial kind of kickoff brainstorming ideation Mm. team forming meetings where they're saying, 
we're going to go iterate on this new feature. All we have is an idea. And some devs are like, well, tell me when the designs are done. And I'm like, well, no, we don't have designs yet. I want to bring you to the table. I want your ideas. And they're like, well, no, I build off of designs. Mm. I'm not a designer. Tell me when they're done. And I'm like, well, you're kind of missing the point. We need you in these ideation sessions. We need you in these product visioning sessions. We need you in this metric definition session. Well, no, someone always told me that. My product owner, product manager will tell me the metrics and tell me the vision. My designer will give me the designs. Tell me when they're done. Like, no, right? Like we want you, we want to collectively come to solutions and ideas as a team. We don't want to be told what our vision is or told what the design is. Right. We want to co-create those. Now, yes, the responsibility does primarily fall on the product person for certain things and designer, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't get involved. Yeah. And that's where I really get get upset with people who don't want to be in these workshops or don't want to be in these 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 kind of upfront meetings or ideation sessions. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's kind of a bummer. And I think we talked about this, Mike, in our definition of done episode that just dropped. But like, nothing is really truly done as well. Like, the vision isn't done. Mm-hmm. And the metrics aren't done and the design isn't really done until you like delete the site. If you like take the software down and you stop using it, then it's kind of done. But like, you know, nothing should be set in stone. And so you should have that context to to help evolve it. I think that I'm going to try and I'm going to probably, it'll be a failed attempt at a parry of this punch. And I think that the idea that, you know, there may be places that engineers may work where they feel that way and they feel that that is where their energy should be most spent in is when you have the designs or you have the you know the acceptance criteria are in place this is where i shine and i think rob what you were alluding to is the idea of like having a diverse like group of people is more important in building out the designs or the ask or the user features than actually punching the keys themselves and getting it done. But, you know, oftentimes, myself included, I don't feel to be a creative a lot of the times. I think I am one to, you know, feel more useful when it comes to delivering a feature versus in that planning phase, if you will. But I also believe that not a lot of developers get that opportunity. So I think that if you are a developer who feels this way about particular features that are being built, definitely try and find out how you can contribute to that. Because it is important, the more people who are involved in that kind of process, the more eyes are on the idea that this is being built for the user. Yeah. You know what I really love about product people? I I love it when they write all my tickets. <laughs> all of them Wait, yeah you don't every, like writing uh, any every last one yeah when rob's on vacation then there's just aren't any tickets i just wait till he comes back <laughs> nice relaxing way for me to come right back into work you know? yeah 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 exactly <laughs> nothing's <laughs> moved inbox <laughs> just piling up <laughs> oh man i have one more and this is definitely gonna be a punch in the face I'm going to punch myself, Dave, so you can don't have to worry about blocking this one. You guys can't see this, but Dave just ducked. He just yeah. completely ducked the punch. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm laying on my feet. <laughs> the one that I've seen and the one that I often get like caught up in, in the dev faux pas, if you will, you know, a story comes in, you know, I'll tee it up, you guys. The story comes in. The acceptance criteria are clear. The designs are great. They make sense. I pick up the story. You know, there's that cool new tech 
that just came out. I don't know, some kind of asparagus JS that I can use to make new graphs for this thing that's being asked. I'm going to go and spend all my energy introducing this very complicated piece of technology to do something that we could do very, very simply. Dave, have you ever experienced that? Like, you know, at some point you were like, oh, I want to use this thing because it's cool and I want to learn more about it. But, you know, I could just I could just do the very simple thing and keep it moving. Yeah, I mean, like, I love doing that. That's my favorite thing. Like, (laughs) let me learn some new technology. Let's use asparagus-based graph query languages. (laughs) Rob, do you have any thoughts on like had to talk a developer down from having to do something very, very complicated before in time? Yeah, unfortunately, until you really get beat up by this as a product person, generally you don't feel that because you don't really know what's going on until you're like, hey, this story has been carried over for the last three sprints. What's going on? Well, we had to spin up a new server in AWS because this technology doesn't exist on-prem and and the licenses don't exist and no one's ever written in this, but it's really cool and it's going to optimize our speed and shave off a hundredth of a millisecond from this performance thing. And I'm like, it's a submit button. I told you it's going to, it comes back to the user in three days. What? What did you just do? It's like, well, I just think this is so cool. I went to one conference about this. And I'm like, okay, I... <laughs> you know, you start to find those patterns and sometimes you you have to question when you hear, you know, going back to estimates, but it's like, hey, I think I didn't explain this well. We're not looking for the most performative or the most this. But right. luckily, you usually have a good group of, you know, you'll have those couple developers who will challenge that and say, we don't need that now, right? We can, we can add that complexity later. Let's just meet the acceptance criteria. Let's not meet what we think is the coolest and best thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's also a good thing of like having the whole team in the room for talking about estimates and talking about alternatives. Like if it does seem like it's going to be a a lot of work for this really cool thing, then like what is the really not cool thing that one could do in, in replace of it? I had to look at my XP Explained book to... Oh, is that the first edition? <laughs> this is the first edition. Yeah, I had to go and grab it really That's quick. That's the one uh, I've read. The idea that people or engineers often forget is, you know, if you're following the values of XP, one of them is simplicity, right? Like it's the idea of like, how do we get the most simplest thing out the door for our users? So we can find out whether this feature is actually useful rather than diving into all these different pieces of tech and then, you know, potentially finding out that it's not, you know, it's not going to make things any faster. As you mentioned, as a form, it comes back in three days or or what have you. Like building the most simplest thing so that you can get it out to your user yeah. is one of the four values of XP. And it's important for us to remember that all the time. Yeah. Do the simple thing. Get it out there. Get the feedback. Build another simple thing. Was a kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. There you go. That's that's one of the acronyms that we have. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was a lot of dev faux pas. Rob, you shanked (laughs) me with uh, your Godzilla claws, I guess. I got some bruises on my face. Don't worry. Us product people, we got our work cut out for us. (laughs) I think hopefully the people who enjoyed it are the viewers or the listeners who have listened to this episode or watched the movie. I don't know if you watched Godzilla versus King Kong. I heard it was good. It's are, terrible. We getting, are we it's getting terrible. paid? Are we getting pro- oh, I guess we're not getting paid now. <laughs> Sponsored by. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I think that if we understand the faux pas of different aspects of the teams that we work in, we can find out how to better ourselves. Uh, and I think there was a lot of self-reflection in this dev episode today. Uh, Dave, what do you think? 
Yeah, I did punch myself a couple of times. So I learned a lot through that. <laughs> Thank you, Rod. That was therapeutic, just punching myself and then breaking my glasses in the meantime as I was doing it. And punching Dave too. Sorry, bro. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Hopefully the next episode that y'all listen, it'll be less violent, but it was great <laughs> to have you, Rob. Thanks for coming on down. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'll have to come on again, talk about something else. Maybe something a little less violent, you know? Yeah, hopefully <laughs> we'll, we'll find harmony the next time I come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Sounds good. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.